0: I'm not going to give it away, but like I will give it away. So the three core character traits that every great person has had in my mind, if you did a study on this um, discipline, attitude and perseverance, I think you'd be hard pressed to go back in time and look at any great people who have done anything that's been like one of those wow things that didn't have those three things.
1: welcome to iron summit where we cover topics about health fitness and general performance through the eyes of former elite division one wrestlers all
2: we're right on. we're live <laughs> all right so we got chris Ayers here um head coach of stanford wrestling formerly at princeton for 18 years and then it was five years at lehigh right
0: yep that's um, right i was a coach Div- and then i wrestled there too So. So it was actually, it was about 11 years in total. So about five and a half coaching. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think obviously we worked together, but something that I didn't know right away, that's one of probably the most impressive stat that I think I honestly found out pretty recently was, you know, going from placing, not placing at state in high school to like an all American in college. I think that's a crazy growth trajectory and probably not the traditional path, um, and so, I, I don't know. I wanted to ask you about that kind of on air, and can been holding back a little bit in the office from asking you that till till now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was honestly. I think it's helped me be a good coach, uh, just because I just it, it, it's all mental, right? When you get to the highest levels, and and it's all how you approach approach uh, competition and and really how you handle adversity too. So uh, the kind of the story goes. I I probably should have placed at states, but. Um, I had, uh, I had my goal set on being a state champion. I felt like I worked the hardest that that I could to achieve that goal. There are two things where I kind of went wrong, I guess you could say. is One is that I thought that you won the match in training. So it was in my mind, I was like, if I work harder than the other guy and I do you know all the right things outside of the competition, uh, then I should get the result that I want. Well, the the reality is you have to compete too. Um, so I think I went in maybe a little overconfident and then when things started going wrong in a match, I sort of would, would panic a little bit and be like, this shouldn't happen to me. I I did the work. This guy should just kind of roll over, but he had other (laughs) ideas of what, what should happen (laughs) in a match. So it was a very immature way of, of competing. Uh, and the other thing was, uh, just lacked resiliency. Uh, I was, I was supposed to win States in my mind. And when I lost in an early round, uh, I just didn't bounce back. Uh, I felt bad for myself, uh, went into the wrestlebacks, still thinking about not being losing and not being a state champion. And it kinda, I kinda just, you know, I just kinda rolled over. It got where it going got tough. I, I didn't get tough. And so for me and my career, looking back on that, that was like easily unequivocally my greatest regret was not competing in the wrestlebacks. Um, and so, so I think fast forward to coaching, I'm pretty aware of the the emotions that when you lose and go into the, the backside, uh, uh, well we, you know, that you have to be able to turn that around. And and I always say, especially after the semifinals, those guys, you know, you know, I want them to take third, but that's a tough match to lose just because you think you're there, you're going to be in the finals and then something goes wrong. And then on the backside, you don't want to have that semi slide to sixth. So, so I think, I think that, you know, that experience for me, uh, was an impactful one. Uh, one thing that I was though, um you know, after that loss and I didn't place, so I probably quit wrestling for, you know, like a week or so. And then I flipped it and I, you know, we're, we're only people of extremes, us wrestlers. So I went from quitting, I went from quitting wrestling to about a week later, I'm going to win a national title in division one So, uh So there was no sort of middle ground in my decision making process. And then that kind of started the path to, you know, doing what I did in college and I essentially walked on to Lehigh and, uh, the amazing thing about that experience, just in terms of, uh, you know, development was in my room in high school, uh, before I went to Blair, I did, a, I re- went to a public high school, Newton high school. I had great coaches at Newton too, that were awesome. Um, and then I went to Blair for a year and then I ended up at Lehigh, but, uh, in the Newton room, there just wasn't examples on the team of like, what, what does a state champ do or what does a state placer do there was no state placers or state champs so i had this you know a state champion was sort of this mythical figure in my mind of like this guy who you know woke up at four he you know had had milk and rocks for breakfast and it was, then it's like shoot like yeah shoot from yeah, inquest and carrying yeah, carry yeah. The
1: log up the stadium a, stairs yeah
0: yeah exactly right so yeah shoot yeah shoot was the the state champ and um and and I worked really hard. I did actually get up and work out in the mornings before school and those type of things. And then when I actually, when I went to Blair and then also Lehigh, they both had, you know, examples of guys who were competing at the highest level nationally, all Americans, national champs. And so it was kind of funny. I actually saw them. And when I was training with them, I kind of thought they were slackers actually uh, compared <laughs> to like what, what I was willing to go through. And so that gave me like Supreme co- And then I would beat them in the room, et cetera. And sort of, I realized, you know, like, yeah, I was training harder than everyone. I just didn't know it. And then also I was willing to do more. So almost in an instant, it flipped for me uh, mentally. And that's the shift that I needed that like I could, I could win national. So I didn't do it, but I did pretty well. Um, And so, so that was sort of a quick version of, you know, how I was able to do what I was able to do. Um, and, and, the, and the backside thing really, you know, that when I got away from it and I looked back, you know, I was sort of embarrassed by the way I handled myself. And I, I just think it was just a little, getting a little bit older and gaining a little bit of maturity. Um, and just a little regret also, just like, you should have got third. Like, why didn't, you know, why didn't you, why did not you take the necessary steps to to do that? It's just, it was just, I gained a lot of maturity from that experience. And then the Blair and the Lehigh having models around to emulate and see where I stand was really important. Did I think, too, did you like,
1: go ahead, Ryan. No, you um, got it. Next
0: question. question. I was curious.
1: Did you end up at Lehigh through the Blair connection? Yes. Yeah, so
0: what you uh, my, my story is, I mean, it's a long story, but like, um, so I had trained at Blair, um, in the summers, Jeff Buxton, the Blair coach, yep. um, he had an interesting thing. It's kind of how Blair got good, as he he was big into freestyle and he let anyone come into the room in the offseason. So I had started training there going into my junior year, and then um and then, you know, my going into my senior year summer, uh go go to my senior year that summer, I trained there. Then I graduated. I was supposed to go to another school. Actually, I had paid the deposit to go to another school. And I was uh, sitting against the wall like you do. And and I was kind of like, I don't know. I was just contemplating. You know how it is after practice. You you know those moments against the wall. And you're sitting there just contemplating things and had a great workout. And he comes over and says, what's up? I go, you know, I I really don't want to go to the school that I paid the deposit for. And he said, you should come here. And I said. I, it was it at the time it was a prep school it was I don't know at the time it was expensive call it today's day and age I don't know what Blair cost probably fifty thousand dollars but back then I don't know what it was and I just said right you know I, I didn't come from money or anything or uh, we, you know we were very middle class if that uh so so uh at the time uh and so he goes oh you'll come for free he knew he knew sort of my my background so so I ended up he said, just do a PG year. I didn't even know what a PG year was. So that kind of changed the trajectory of everything. Cause I told him I wanted to go to Lehigh. Lehigh didn't recruit me. I went to all their camps. I was obsessed with this guy, Sergei Belaglazov. Yep. At the at the time he was the coach at Lehigh. I would follow this guy around uh, from camp to camp to camp. I went to Lehigh camp every year. And so he says, you should come here and be a PG. And, uh, and- we have a bunch of PG's coming in. Um, and he said, we'll put you on a good path to possibly getting into Lehigh. The same thing happened at Lehigh too. I looked at the price tag and I was like, I I didn't even know about financial aid. Like, so I'm a first generation college kid. Lehigh at the time was probably, you know, 40,000 or something like that. So I just took it off my list. I was like, I, we can't afford this, but I didn't know about financial aid, so when I had this Blair experience, that's the first time I knew there was like, "Holy crap, there's financial aid." So, so he goes, like, "We'll put you on the path to Lehigh, um, and and here's what you have to do." And so I had to go to like it wasn't summer school. I don't know if Mr. Stavall is still around there, but his wife, uh, Miss Stavall, I didn't I didn't know how to I knew how to write, but I didn't know like structurally how to write. So I, she, I had to like do summer class. So I'd go to practice and then she would tutor me in writing. So I get into Blair and there, and he, Buxton's like, Hey, you have to take, like, here's the deal. You have to take like honors and AP courses. If you do really well in those goes, do you think you can do well? I was like, yeah. I mean, I hadn't really tried in school that hard, to be honest with you. It, prior to that, I said, yeah, I really want to go. He says, well, this is how you do it. So I took all honors and AP and, uh, I got great grades. I got accepted to Lehigh. And that's pretty much how that all happened. I, I really recruited myself. I was probably Lehigh's easiest recruit that they if if you'd call me a recruit, easiest recruit that they ever had that I that actually worked out to to win a lot of matches. So that's sort of the path. I, I got really lucky. Um, you know, life's like that sometimes where I grew up allowed me to be close to Blair, which gave me exposure to Lehigh, which led me to Princeton, which led me to here. So been blessed in that way to sort of kind of fell into things because I certainly wasn't put on that path early on.
2: Yeah, and the other thing is just, like, from knowing you, I think you're such an overly positive person, Um, and I think that that mindset, I, I don't know exactly if you think this is true or not, but I feel like that probably played a big role in your ability to, like, Keep coming back and developing because one you love wrestling, but two you're always like you're keeping a good mindset about it, so you're spending a lot of time doing this and continuing to improve, and something that you you say, kind of your family motto, like gentle pressure relentlessly applied um, maybe walk us through a little bit like how does that play in your development as you know an athlete but also as a coach you, you know I think even when you came out to Stanford, it was like an impossible time. It was probably the worst time <laughs> to come out, right? There was impossibly too many things going on. Yeah. And you just, you just lined them up and knocked them down. And I think that like that would have broke a lot of people. Um, but your mindset, I think, played a big role in that. And I, I kind of see this common theme in your life of that mindset. So walk me through that a little bit. And how you like, did, did you just come up with that? Is that a family thing? How did that get trained yeah.
0: I just think over time, like just my career trajectory in wrestling is, you know, um, I, I kind of say delusion, being a little delusional is okay. Um, you know, when I told people I was going to go D1 and, you know, win a national title, I didn't care. And a lot of my friends that wrestled were like, you're stupid. Like, what are you doing? You, you're Not that, I mean, D3 winning a national title there is extremely hard too. But I was like, you know what? I You know, I want to, I want to. I want to compete at the highest level. And that, that's kind of always been my mindset. I wanted to be against the best people to see where I stood. So I think I, I like those challenges, but I just always had that in me, I guess, like just to keep at something. It's just, I don't know if my, my parents ingrained that at in me a little bit, like blue collar. You get up early every morning and you go bust your ass and, and hopefully down the road, good things happen. And and so that's kind of what I've I've applied to my life I think and then you know things happen and where it's like you have these experiences that impact you the where I got the gentle pressure relentlessly applied is kind of interesting too is I got my master's at at Lehigh once I I had a business job you know about this Ryan mm-hmm. where I was looking at Excel sheets and it was a great job and I would have I could have went and made made some good money but I was in a cubicle in a suit. Uh, looking at spreadsheets for 12 hours a day. Uh, at the end of that internship, I re- it was a great experience. Why? Because I knew exactly what I did not want to do with my life. <laughs> so that meant I was a business major at Lehigh. So that meant like now I got a course correct. So I decided to get a master's in education. I'm going to teach and coach. During that time, I had to teach at a school for kids who couldn't go to regular school. So these kids, I mean, think of... Uh, Imagine the worst kid you ever went to school with in like elementary and middle school. And that kid is an angel compared to all the kids that they brought to this school. I'm not kidding. So it's a satellite school for the district's toughest kids. So at this place, this is the positive reinforcement thing too. So at this school, there was the director. His name was Dr. George. This guy was like, he was like, he was a Jedi master. I mean, he was like Yoda. And he was like as tall as Yoda too. He's this very small guy, but he, he, he was like amazing. And so, you know, in this school, I'm getting on a little bit of a tangent, but it's pretty neat. So in this school, um, what they used to do with these bad kids is they'd like, they'd, they'd secure them. They'd like tackle a kid who was having a hard time. They'd literally take them to this padded room and they'd lock them in the room. And the kid would be freaking out, you know, going wild and it would be crazy. And this guy had this positive reinforcement thing. He did two things that were like amazing. And he implemented it through the whole school. Positive reinforcement and then go into the good model. So it was like this weird thing where like, let's say, you know, you've been in class and there's a kid screwing around, right? And the teacher immediately goes over to the kid that's screwing around. And it's like, hey, you need to get your act together. You know, or I'll send you to the principal's office. Well, we were taught like you go to the kid that, that's sitting next to him. That's doing a good job. So instead of going to the kid that's freaking out, you go over to the good kid and you tap on his desk and you say, hey, I really love how you're doing your work here. Sitting quietly, you know, really, really just doing a great job. And we had these little tickets that they could turn in and get candy in the store. So I'd say, hey, I'm going to give you one of these tickets. You're doing such a good job. But then you just walk away, pay no mind to the kid who's freaking out kid's still freaking out and then you go over to the kid that's sitting in front of them. you say hey buddy you know you're doing such a good job you give the kid a ticket you walk away sure enough the kid that was like you know freaking out he gets in why and you say i really like that you got yourself together here's a ticket so but anyway the well, long story short is when these kids came in all, over the summer they they would be because they most of the, them had really terrible family lives that's pretty much the common theme among most of them was it's just no stability foster care those type of things so when they came in from the summer it was if you could think of a madhouse it was a madhouse and the the teacher the head guy would be like hey gentle pressure relentlessly applied so every day you did it and and literally within a month the kids were pretty much in line um so I had that experience which sort of, you know, reinforced what I was doing already. I kind of already stuck to things and it was just like kind of an eye opener, both on the positive reinforcement side. And then also just like sticking to things, you know, it takes time and you get, and you, and you generally get good results. And, and so my wrestling career as an athlete kind of went that way. Then I take over Princeton, which at the time was, you know, Maybe you know I hate to say it, but we were we were in last place in the country by far. I mean, there was two years we didn't send the guy to MCAs. We were zero and thirty-two. By the way, I think it's zero and thirty-five. But every year I take off a loss. I'm, I'm trying to i will try to get down to twenty. I've tried to get to zero and twenty-nine in a few. Years, I didn't so. want to, I didn't want
2: to tell you, but I look I'm, I looked it up. the it first two years, <laughs> zero and thirty-five. So,
0: <laughs> okay, so I was zero and thirty-two. And so, 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 you know, so, and then, you know, we built something there too. And that was, that was so rewarding because really in the beginning there, you know, you start to question yourself, um, a lot when, when things aren't, and people, when you're the coach too, it's when you're an athlete, people might question you a little bit, but like, when you're the coach of a team. And there's a yeah. lot of people that care about the team, uh, you know, You know, people start thinking, was this the right hire, you know? So thinking those things out, I think those experiences allowed me to do what I do. And it's really now that I'm the age that I'm at, I just kind of have, you know, a good perspective on what I think I have to bring to the table to to do things. And I think it is that general pressure we want to see applied. I love it. I have a, a
1: couple of questions. One is, and I'll, uh, I'll flatter us here, Chris, um, Ooh, you've so coached sweet. at three of the most prestigious academic institutions in the country <laughs> being Lehigh, of course, and Princeton and <laughs> Stanford. Um, but how, how does it differ? I mean, you kind of went straight, you went straight to Lehigh and then Princeton and Stanford, but it's a whole different ballgame when you're coaching at an institution that takes. Academic so seriously, it was a wrestling coaching aspect, but then also a kind of coaching and teaching how to manage that academic load. So how do you approach that?
0: Well, I think I'm blessed, uh, to have coached at these places cause you get such a unique individual who, uh, not only cares about the wrestling side of it, the athletic piece, but they want to be great in multiple areas of their lives sometimes to their own demise, they're so interested in so many different things that, you know, it's hard to peg, you know, kind of specialize in a couple, like maybe wrestling in school. Uh, so, so, but, but I'm blessed because, you know, people ask me, it's, it's a funny question. I get a lot about recruiting, like, how do you determine a kid's character? Like, what are the things you look at? And I'm like, I just look at their transcript and like, I'm like, it's like, they're an AP classes. They're in honors classes. Uh, generally you don't get, uh, you know, you, you don't get too many jerks, uh, who are trying to get into, you know, those type of school, the highly academic. Um, the other thing is, you know, for me personally, wrestling helped me be great in life. I, well, I'm working on being great in life, but just, I really feel the lessons learned, uh, Carry over to all areas of life the characteristic traits that you focus on and gain through the sport, and what you get at a at a school Le- Lehigh, Princeton, Stanford, is you get kids who can now apply those at the highest level and be, you know, run a hedge fund, or it could be president. You know the, the things. You know, Princeton, we had a we had two Secretary of Defenses. Um, you know, so so there's just so many things that. They can do using the vehicle Of wrestling and that and that's incredibly Rewarding so I, I've told Ryan this and I've Told several people I just think I'm, a, I'm built for Stanford I'm built For this experience just from My former experiences to step Into Stanford in year one And then be a lot Further than where I was in Year one of Princeton um, Is exciting it's really exciting I don't have to do a Rebuild I, I get to to work with some of the best people in the country to take this to what I think can be a national championship team at some point. So, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a blessing to have been at these places and work with these type of kids. I mean, they blow me away too. I mean, just, just with what they do and, and the classes they're taking and the internships they get, it's just a really cool thing, um, to see yeah. that.
1: Well, I, the more we can associate Lehigh with Stanford and Princeton, the better. So, you know. <laughs> Max has I his ulterior to. motive. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I just, I just want to keep them in the same sentence. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Hey, that's um, good. I like. It. I Go also ahead. have quick aside is because um, you said you got to you know like pick a couple things to be good at. When I got to Lehigh, Coach Hughes, one of the assistant coaches there at the time, he sat me down. He said, "Max, you can be good at two things in college. Pick two. And he said, everyone wants to be good at three, pick two school, sports, and social. Yeah. Which two do you think I want you to be good at?
0: <laughs> yeah. So Strobel used to uh, say the same exact thing. So that's pretty funny. So yeah. we got well, he probably
1: down. got it from, yeah, from Strobel, Pat, who
0: actually Pat, who got uh, it from yeah. Strobel, probably. And, 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 yeah. And, and it's true.
1: Yeah, it is true. I actually I was lucky enough to be, I was starting to be recruited by Strobel, and then he retired right after um yeah well actually right after i committed to lehigh but then That's pat good. and shoes were awesome yeah, yeah a lot of wisdom there yeah. um one one other question and ryan told me this i didn't know you ran lehigh's weight room for a little bit yes, I the rest yeah of the i did
2: I, I did so so i don't practice this before before you start with this airs i think another common theme that i've seen throughout just you know your career and then just knowing you too is like you lean into stuff and you, you do your research on stuff and yeah. you really like get educated about things. And it's not even like, I, I mean, we'll have a conversation about something, but I I didn't even know you were interested in this thing. And then yeah. it's like, Oh, you actually have done a lot of research. So <laughs> it's really interesting to me that, you know, you, you know a lot about weightlifting and you did yeah. a lot of this stuff and, and how did that really happen? And yeah, walk yeah. us through, you know, yeah. Lehigh's so I don't look,
0: face. I don't look like it because I'm a tall, tall, skinny guy, but, um, you know, and I, I don't even know if I told you this, Ryan, but you know that was the key. Other than those mental things at states not placing, I was the same height I am now. I was an all-American at 157. I probably weigh 175 right now, um, but I wrestled 135. So, so one thing I was missing was strength, and it wasn't for the fact that I didn't lift. Um, I lifted like crazy, but I hadn't hadn't really matured yet. Uh, I didn't mature until probably my sophomore summer of my mature in the sense of going out a little bit, getting bigger, muscular wise. I didn't, I didn't really mature until that, that year. Um, and so I was always like a little bit of a mad scientist. Like the, I followed this guy, Sergey around, uh, just to give you some idea of how, like I approached things. So how I found this guy was kind of crazy. Uh, the Russians were the best. By far back in the late eighties and early nineties, I found out this guy was like a seven or eight time Olympic and world gold medalist. And then, then you see his, you know, you'd get like USA wrestling magazine, you'd see the box scores of the matches and, and, and I'd see, he'd just like tech everyone or pin them or whatever. I was like, God, this guy is like a freak. So somehow I ran into this guy Don Ernst. He had all these videos. So then I got these Sergey videos. So this is how I got obsessed with like technique and Sergey. So similarly with the weightlifting, um, you know, this is funny. Like I would get like back then there was no YouTube or anything. I I didn't have Huberman giving me the proper protocols, right? <laughs> so so I had to like kind of kind of do my own research. So kind of starting without with like bodybuilding, I had like Muscle and Fitness magazine which actually was kind of good because it was sort of hypertrophy stuff, you know? So that's what I needed. I I had no muscles. I needed some muscles before I could think about some serious strength. So, you know, those bodybuilders are higher level reps and, and trying to get jacked up. And so then I started, I don't know how I ran into to a guy in high school who kind of knew the science behind it. And I don't know when periodization came out, but, uh, it, it was around that time that I started learning about it and might have came out for, sooner. And then there was like this bigger, faster, stronger program that was sort of based on periodization. I had started using that and I was pretty successful with it. So, you know, I didn't go in the gym and like look at the biggest, most jack guy in the gym and say, Hey, what do you lift? Like, what's your routine? Which back in those days, that's kind of how you got lifting routines. You're like, Hey, that yeah. guy had that guy has huge biceps. Like, I wonder how he got those huge biceps in the gym the gym guy would teach so i did i did try to find as much information as i could about weightlifting so i felt pretty and you know what santoro was similar so santoro was my 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 coach he was the assistant and he used to run the lifts so i used to lift he used to put me through lifts so when i came in and and pat had left he goes to maryland and then i take his position i kind of fell into it to be honest with you but i had a really good education on like weightlifting, um, I thought, and, and I, and I, and I felt good about it. So that's kind of how I came into it. I kind of, um, no, I don't kind of, I, I do my research. Like you said, um, I'm a student. I love that stuff, um, in relation to you know, now you do have podcasts. We talk about them in the office a lot about, you know, when I was telling you about photons, Ryan, yeah. get those fo- <laughs> photons in the morning from the sun. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's a little inside thing. But um, yeah, so I, I researched it. I felt confident. Um, I knew like, I knew protocols for guys who were cutting weight. I knew, like what they should be doing, guys who wanted to get bigger. Um, and so, yeah, I pretty, back in those days, there's no strength coaches for wrestling. I mean, that, that's just the fact of it. Maybe football had a strength coach. The position of strength coach was non-existent. Um, yeah. You know, the guy who ran uh, the, the gym for the whole school, like he would write programs for like soccer and he would try to write one for wrestling. And we'd be, we'd be like, what the hell is this shit? Like, <laughs> you know, this isn't good. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just did the research and implemented it. It's a little trial and error too.
2: Just like briefly, what, what, what would that look like? Like just brief overview of, you know, obviously you just saying you had some different plans for different, yeah. you know, for guys, but
0: so basically, you know, um, again, it depends on what you wanted to do. I could give you like, I know I moved up a year, so I had a pretty intense hypertrophy phase that lasted a pretty long time over the summer going from my sophomore to my junior year where I knew I had to get bigger. Uh I actually was doing body parts at that time like so so that's kind of like I see strength coaches now that are sort of like almost full body all the time but that really helped create a base um and then I sort of like as we got into the season I was big enough by the time I got into the season I actually had to lose some weight so then I cut back to like more of a strength protocol where you know we're doing way less reps than hypertrophy can be hit pretty high, eight to, you know, quite a few. So going a little bit heavier, uh, but not as many reps. uh, So I didn't want to gain weight uh, through hypertrophy. I kind of want to teach the fibers to just work better um, and and be able to handle more force. And so that would be more of a, you know, strength protocol. Power was sort of like a little bit of a power phase, but not too much. And then once you hit season, it's sort of like maintenance. Uh, you know, you get one, you get one or two maybe lifts during the during the week. If you have a good little segment there, you where you can get maybe a couple weeks of two or three where you don't have competition. And then we moved into that. So that kind of was basically what I looked at uh, when planning other guys' stuff. It's just sort of like how long should hypertrophy be? How long should strength be? How long should the maintenance be? Um, so that's kind of what how I segmented it out. And it was nice to have me doing it because it was just me with the team. Um, and I knew every aspect of their training. Awesome. Uh, I actually did it at Princeton too when I started. And then we yeah. kind of got a guy, a guy who was <laughs> interested in wrestling. And so I was like, maybe we'll use this guy. So I've, I've moved away from it, but there's definitely some huge benefit to having someone who is aware of hey, what exactly happened in practice yesterday? And we're going to have a lift this morning. How do I cater that lift to what just happened at practice? Um, I get nervous about that because I don't have control. But, you know, through the day-to-day, as you know, Ryan, it like gets away from you a little bit. Yeah.
1: Go ahead, Ryan. I think we're going to ask the same question.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think this is a good segue into um, basically like, Obviously, we kind of talk about this a lot, Ayers, but like, what are your thoughts on recovery and then periodization in terms of, of wrestling and how you're just like general overview of what you think? Because wrestling's a high demanding sport on your body. And I, I mean, I used to have coaches that'd be like, back to the three thing you're talking about earlier, Max, like you got running shape, wrestling shape and lifting shape and you can pick two. You can't be in all three. Um, and you kind of go through usually most programs, early season, there's maybe some more running you know, off season, more lifting. And then in season, obviously wrestling is, is very heavy, but injuries are a huge part of it. And so like your general overview of what your philosophy is, uh, with rest recovery, I think you do an awesome job in terms of, you know, we make sure guys kind of fill out forms, make sure they like what they're feeling like before practice. You're the first coach I've ever been around. That's like, Hey, if you don't feel good, like pull yourself out alive. Um, and and I think that's awesome because it kind of takes like nobody can tell you how right. you're feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you got to trust the guys, and and they got to trust you too. But, um, yeah, I I think you really think about recovery a lot more than than most people, and I think it's huge, yeah. especially when you talk about a six month long season.
0: It's it's great you mentioned that because in my career, it's just come up more and more where I just think it's more and more important. Um, and now we're hearing, you know, like Huberman and just different podcasts, you know, the greatest, I, I heard someone recently say that the greatest, uh, athletic enhancing, like athletic performance driver is sleep. Like the, the number, like yeah, forgets, yeah, no, go. <laughs> forget supplements, forget sleep is your greatest weapon. Um, it's funny. Pat used to say that stuff too. Uh, recovery is your number one weapon basically. So still. I So yeah, a lot of coaches are like, push guys, push guys. We got to push them. We got to push them. My guys are highly motivated at this level. You know, most most of the guys in the starting lineup have goals of being an All-American or a national champion. So we have the luxury of saying, like, when do we have to pull these guys back? Um, and being aware of of, you know, where they are mentally and physically is important. I think, you know, we had a situation this year. I don't know if, you know, Twenty twenty hindsight's perfect, but you know, we had a kid who was like pushing himself through an injury. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, Ryan, where we had we had to step in and say, Look, you're not wrestling. He just wanted to wrestle in this duel mm-hmm. His parents wanted or were coming from a long distance to watch the match. He wasn't ready at all, but he just wanted to compete. So it had to be us telling him he he's not allowed to compete. And it was the right call, to be honest. He he actually missed the next competition and he was able to compete. Not at his optimal uh, in in the CKLV, but he competed pretty well. Uh, where if I think we would have wrestled him, I don't think we would have wrestled at CKLV, and we probably would have continued that issue. So um, I got that from Strobel too. Um, it, it's funny we keep going back to this high school thing. Yeah. I, I got I got a the other thing in high school. I absolutely was overtrained, one hundred percent. You know, I talk about videos. There was this video, Competitor Supreme, which was Gable. And the Iowa teams, and it was like we're, we train like madmen, you know. So, I I took that literally, and I took it to a whole another level. Where I literally, by the e- end of the season, I was completely overtrained. As we were going into the postseason, it was like you have to do more now. We have to get like yeah. super in shape. And so, a great story about that is, and this is this was an eye opener too. Um, so I go so. I was very vocal about my own, like I was, I would say if I didn't like something about the training plan or if I felt something wasn't good for myself or the team, I had no problem, even as a freshman saying something to coaches and just asking them like, what's going on? Why are we doing this? I just wanted to know why. Phil, we're heading into Eastern's my freshman year, Strobel's first year as a head coach too. And so we're heading in and the practices are like, they're like ridiculously easy. I mean, I'm like, they're an hour. I'm like, the practice ends and I'm doing more because I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Is this guy giving up on us? And (laughs) so uh, so I'm like concerned because in my experience, it it was like in middle school, it was like, we got to get ready for counties. Like, this is the big thing and we're doing extra sprints and you know, a bunch of stuff we never did before practices are longer. So I, I actually go to Strobel's office and I sit down and I'm like, hey, like, you know, what's going on? He's, he's like, what do you mean what's going on? I was like, these practices are like the easiest practices I've ever done, honestly. Like we have EIWA's, you know, NCAs are in two weeks. And he goes, <laughs> he was so funny. He goes, he goes, trust me. He goes, I want you dying Dying to wrestle at EIWAs. He goes, So I'm taking it away from you. He goes, You've been trading really hard, like up until this point. I want you to have so much energy, you don't know what to do with it. He goes, just trust me. And he was the Olympic coach at the time. And so it was like, okay, okay, okay. You know, <laughs> you take the wheel. I'm I'm in. But if I but if I don't do well, we're gonna have some issues with this trading plan. So anyway. I've seeded fourth or whatever. I make the finals. I take second as a freshman, which is pretty good in the IWA. Go to nationals. Yeah, I I probably wasn't even good enough to make the nationals. Somehow, I think with the trading plan, I made it. Didn't do great, but it, you know, from that point, I, I was bought in. And then he explained it after. He's like, I learned this from running marathons. And I think at the time, tapering really wasn't a thing.
2: Mm-hmm. He's like,
0: you know, marathon runners, he's like, they don't run the marathon like two days before the marathon, they, they run a big giant chunk of the, of their training is like five weeks out. And then they actually reduce everything. Yeah. He goes the week of the race. They really don't do much to be honest with you. It's like, they just, they just show up at the race and they're ready to go. Cause they're healthy. Uh, that they, they're recovered. And so, so that, than- that was, that was like a huge, that had a huge impact on me. And then also with like lifting a great example. It's like, you don't get stronger with lifting, right? You get hypertrophy, especially, is a great example. It's like you're actually tearing muscle fibers, right? So they can grow in recovery. So it's like the recovery period is where you get stronger and bigger, not in the actual lifting of the weights. So so like those type of things, it, they they kind of show the importance of recovery, and it's a huge weapon too. I mean, I you know, at Princeton – um, at NCAs, we we the last probably eight years or so, we always outperformed where we were supposed to end up feed wise to a man basically. Um, and I do think that was to, to a little bit to to the training plan. So recovery is is it's as important, if not more important, than maybe even the training. You have to do the training to some level. Uh, but if two guys are equally training and one guy is better, has better, a better recovery plan, he's going to, he's going to feel better in competition. Amen. Yeah. Training Amen. isn't training isn't anything without recovery.
1: Yeah. You're just hurt and run down all the time. Um, I have a, so when you think about like, it's almost like wrestling periodization, do you kind of build a plan out for the whole year and then make adjustments on a daily basis based on feedback from, from the guys? Yeah, it, without coming, without giving away it, too much secrets. No, nah, nah, there's
0: there's no, there's no <laughs> secrets. It, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, there's the way there's volume and there's intensity. So there's volume days where the longer goes and Ryan. This is just how we break it up. There's volume days where the goes are longer. There's intensity days where the goes are shorter or more intense goes. Um, you know, through the fall we build up the volume and and both number of workouts, and then also the amount of time they're wrestling. Um, it's been chaotic, I, to be honest. Ryan doesn't know this, maybe he's, he's caught up. But it, it was I was better at it at Princeton just because I was settled in in every other area so I could focus a little bit more on the practice plan. Uh, here it's been – I've done it long enough where I can get a feel for the team, but generally you build, build, build. Uh, Then you hit competition and then you get about two of those days and you're kind of reacting a little bit to when you compete, how tough was the competition? Did we get banged up uh, from the competition? So when you're in competition, it's sort of like a week to week adjustment um, to where we are uh, technically and, and um, how much volume they're doing and how hard things are. Uh, But I think the most key, the key, points of like building up periodization are sort of like when they come back to the point of like you hit competition. The other really important phase is sort of the backside of the season as you go to NCAA's. So, So, you know, when you're in competition, again, it's just sort of reactionary to each week and planning for the next weekend. Um, so that that's sort of short, short-term dictation dictates what we're going to do. Um, but then, towards the end of the year, we want to have that peak at the end of the year um yeah we I have some things that I do to get them ready for the end of the year but um there's definitely the plan, and it's a little reactionary too. Pat Santora was very good feel based i think i I'm more of a plan based like i have <laughs> the guys know like like you so I send out the plan for the week every week um I knew I know that Pat didn't do that because he would make daily changes. Right, am I right?
1: Hundred percent right. He yeah.
0: he would be like, The guys need to lift tomorrow. And then you guys would all get a message, hey, we're lifting tomorrow. Oh. And and so but but that's how he was good though. He had a good feel for what was needed. I'm more of a planning guy. I like the guys to know what's coming. So um yeah, there was sort of a periodization. Um and you build them up to the season basically.
2: Yeah. And one other thing Ayers, I want to get into a little bit with you is I think like leadership, Um, you are an extremely good leader. And I think that's not something that comes super natural to a lot of people. And maybe it came naturally to you, maybe you developed it. But I think one of the first things that you said when you came in um, to myself, to Pat, but also to the team is like this. I don't know if it's like your main message, but you say it a lot with like, this is a partnership, not a dictatorship and i think you build trust very early on very easily um and i don't know if you have like if you've ever thought about this or not but i've seen you be a really good leader i think you're a good leader what what plays into that and do you know like what your personal philosophy is with that outside of that is that like a summary of it or how do you, how do you feel um you're thinking about these situations because there's a lot of gray areas that go on day to day right where you don't know the right thing to do um but I think you're always, you navigate those gray areas very well.
0: Yeah. I, I think first, this is going to be funny. I love winning. And so like, True. and I hate losing. So. Um, so it. I was always the captain of anything I did uh, because I wanted control of like, I wanted to have some control of the outcome. And I talked about this today in a team meeting, like, like it. I was a, I was captain as a sophomore at Lehigh. Um, and, and what I told you guys, I think maybe in the meeting I had with you and Pat, I said, if I wrestled somebody and like, I did really well and they didn't have such a good day, I try to help them afterwards. Like I grab them and say like, Hey, you know, like on your single, I got you because of this. Like, so I think I've been kind of leading. It just kind of came a little natural, naturally to me. Um the one side thing to that is like partnerships versus dictatorships. So I'm an only child. I, my default is I'm a total introvert, to be honest with you. But because I like winning, I know that I have to communicate. It's, 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 so it's like not a, it's not a super <laughs> na- na- natural thing to me, but like I really love winning. So so um, so because I'm not like an extrovert, I don't feel like a dictator. But what what I think everyone in the organization will bring something to the table. I, I've told you this before too, Ryan. Like and I want the team to come up with like, let's call it core values or or what's 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 our brand. I want I want to be involved in that and I wanna sort of drive it, but I also want them to come to it on their own. Um I'm learning from them. I'm learning from you, I'm learning from Pat. So I do think it's like a collective. I just have this weird title of head coach, which I guess is good, but I think we're all leaders and there's leadership within the team. But to your point of like, I always, I always was the captain, um, and, you know, and the coaches always really liked me, you know, like, and they, they always, you know, pointed to me as like, Hey, do like this guy. Um, and so, so that's always come to me and, and selfishly, I just, I hated losing. And I just wanted to win so bad. And delusionally, like the teams I was on, I was like, we should be really good like that. Like, uh, why can't we be the best team? And that's carried over into my coaching. With Princeton especially, I mean, you know, I delusionally took the job and was like, hey, we're going to win the Ivy League. We're going to, you know, we're going to have all Americans and national champs. Uh, They hadn't won an Ivy League match for like six years. And Cornell was (laughs) there. And Cornell was there, you know, they were having multiple national champs at the time and people thought I was insane, but we did those things. We did it. So, so I think that, you know, yeah, I mean, winning is probably, I don't talk about it a lot, but I, I love it. Um, but I was always a leader because I wanted our teams to be successful. Um, but I do believe in, in, I think that every, not everyone, but there's leaders within the group that can really help us get there quicker. If you give them permission to lead um so yeah i think that's i don't know if that was the answer i kind of got off track i'm not sure but i do (laughs) it
2: was good it was good i think you do a great job of building that culture um, where everybody feels um empowered to speak up with that and i think that's that's something that not all leaders do and it's funny you say that you like control because like i don't feel like you're that way (laughs) i think i said it to you the other day like you're very chill (laughs) You're not very laid back, you know. I, I don't know That's if good. that makes sense. So, it makes uh, sense. People that know you, you yeah. know, um, but but you're very much like you let stuff happen, but then you also guide it too and make people feel like they they're coming to their conclusions. And I think that it's like it's a really difficult balance to to hold, and you do you do a great job at it. So I just I didn't know if, but it makes sense. Like growing up, you, you're you're captain a lot. You you've thought about this a lot, and obviously you do your research a lot. Um, you've built your whole your philosophy, coaching philosophy book. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what made you ultimately decide to do that? Because I thought that was one of the coolest things I saw when you first brought that out. Um, yeah. Talking about you.
0: So, so, come, yeah, that was it. There were two things happened. Um, one was, uh, I had all these great lessons. I had these great coaches. I said, let's we'll throw a team meeting. You know, I went to Blair. I was coached by Buxton, maybe one of the best high school coaches in the country. It, at Newton High School, our, uh, the head coach Rick Peterson he he was a D1 wrestler he was seeded number 1 in the country um at heavyweight um didn't work out for him he didn't win it he didn't place but he he was at a high level as well lockhaven was really good back in those days too mm-hmm. down down to like i had this 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 coach coach cup um who would do anything for me and he he didn't get paid he was like a help he like helped at the high school team but you know if i wanted to get in on sunday uh, to get an extra workout. And I called him at like, you know, eight in the morning, he would open the gym for me and work out with me. So I learned a lot from him too. And then I had Strobel and Santor. So there was a lot of lessons I learned and it was sort of like piecemeal though. it would be like, ah, wow, that was a good nugget. Strobel told me there, but then I'd forget about it. So then I read the winner's manual, uh, the Ohio state coach. Uh, there was a book where he wrote Basically, a book for the team. Can't remember. It's terrible. I can't remember the coach's name. I don't really follow sports, by the way. But, <laughs> uh, and I was like, I should make a manual because I've had all these awesome experiences and I have a philosophy. And my coach said, too, he always said, you should, you know, you should be able to write down your philosophy as a coach. And so that's kind of the nexus for the book um, that we gave. And that was at Princeton. We'll have one here. Uh, but again, I don't want to. I don't want it to be me to say like, Hey, here's, here's it for me. I want to get input too. So it'll be a slow rollout. I think of like what we do with the Stanford team, but really it was just about me. It's a life philosophy too. I mean, there's character traits in it. Um, you know, I'm not going to give it away, but like, I will give it away. So there's three core character traits that every great person has had in my mind. If you did a study on this, um, discipline attitude and perseverance i think you have you'd be hard pressed to go back in time and look at any great people who have done anything that's been like one of those wow things that didn't have those three things and so there's other things i have in there as well but just getting to like the core of it is the character traits that make you successful in wrestling are the same damn things that make you successful in anything you do in life whether it be professionally whether it be with your family, being a good father and a husband. Um, And so, so for me, it was fun. It was actually fun. Like I hadn't revisited it since I got here, to be honest with you. And then we had our Missouri thing and uh, sort of attitude kind of was on the top of my mind. So going back in there and sort of reading those things was good for me to just solidify what I know, Uh, what I know is right in my mind in, in terms of what, what, these guys can get from the program. Um, so that's kind of how it came together. And it's just for me, it was just, uh, I want to take what I was taught one step further and make it a little bit better.
1: I love that discipline, attitude, and perseverance. I've, I've heard the, the saying, the only things you can control are attitude and effort. And that's kind of, I you know, think of discipline and perseverance are effort really. And yeah. And, um, Attitude, but I I love that. And yeah, couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah, we had a long talk today about control and attitude and okay. what it looks like in a match, and so it's it's good. It, it creates good conversation.
2: Absolutely. Um, one one more like kind of fun question. I was thinking about like Max and I are always talking about like what makes a good wrestler. Um, mm-hmm. So want to know what do you think is the oh. most important like Ooh. athletic trait for wrestling? Those... And obviously, there's like a a difference right in levels of wrestling but there's like what do you think is the most important thing if you could just make a wrestler max maybe you have some more to add before yeah i want
1: to because we could get into a huge wormhole. so athletic trait because i <laughs> i think like you start actually you started out this conversation with the most important thing for wrestling is yes in your pit
0: i was gonna, gonna go instrument. there too so so yeah, your, your, your brain your, your narrowing of it is <laughs> is kind of yeah, interesting good. yeah
1: athletically <laughs>
0: Jesus, so uh, I'm not gonna. I'm probably not gonna answer your question, but because, <laughs> but 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna address it. So I think in in order to be really good at wrestling, you have to be special at something. Um, do you, do you have so? Maybe it's strength. Maybe your strength is like your X factor, right? Maybe it's your speed. Maybe your speed is your X factor. Strength for me was not my X factor. Like, you know, like most guys were stronger than me. Um, But right now I could get up and go run a mile without training pretty quickly. Um, I was always able to do that. So I had good cardio. Like I could get my cardio like this. Um, So, you know, some people are great cardio. Some people are great athletes in terms of learning technique. Some people are They know, you know, it's like you throw, they're like a cat. You throw them up in the air. They know how to land. So I don't, I don't, I can't really pick one, but I'd have to say like, you have to be strong. You have to be strong. Um, There's minimal levels of everything that has to be there. Uh, And so for me, I worked on my endurance, although I have it and it came naturally. Uh, I was pretty fast actually. So, um, you know. I did plyos and stuff. I actually worked on those things too. Uh, But strength was a huge, it was a huge limiting factor to me. So what I would say is like, I was below the minimal baseline I needed to be. So I had to work extra hard at strength to get to that minimal level where my other specialties could kick in. That made me unique and able to compete at the highest level. So strength yeah, but I, yeah, I think strength, wrestling's hard. It's two people pushing against each other and, uh, but then, you know, you get to the question of like, there was a heavyweight at, at, at Princeton and he'd always tell me it's max, you know, max deadlift and max bench. But the guy had no tank. I mean, it's like, yeah, you, you're strong for like, so, you know, I gotten used to him, hey, I bench, you know, I don't know. 350. I don't know what he benched. I don't even care. I said, Hey, you know what? Here's what I'd like you to do. I said, I don't care what you bench when you first go in there. I said, how about you do, I want you to do six, 15 seconds on 45 off on the Airdyne. Okay. I want you to do six of those. Okay. And then I want you to immediately bench your max and let me know what your max is after those. And then <laughs> then tell me what your max is. That's the, what I'm interested in because I don't really care what your, what your backs are. So, so I guess that sheds a the light. There's all these components that feed into it. Um, where pure strength that. isn't going to get it done.
1: Your answer is awesome. I think that that of being good at one thing. And it's also, there's, there's a whole, a whole other wormhole we could go to. Cause there's things that are, you know, like nature you just have. Yeah. And there's things you can build and work on and it can get better, but certainly you're kind of limited on how good you can be at different things based on, you know your genetic cards you were dealt, One,
0: and that's what I'm talking about. My cardio, I, I had a, I mean, I literally had a gift that I could, I could, I, I, I could always win the races on the team. You know, like I just knew, I yeah. knew how to. I was cardio, and I was, I had the mental piece that I could keep going. But you put me under that bench press, or I was not winning the bench pressing. <laughs> I promise you that. Yeah.
2: I think you, I think you bring up a good point too, though. It's like, whatever's your biggest weakness is probably what you're going to get the most out of. Yeah, so like, that's if right. you don't have like that baseline of strength, it's not going to work out well. If you don't have the baseline of cardio, it's not going to work out well. So the best athletic traits different for each guy, depending on where they started naturally it, or what they're at.
0: Yeah. You might have to work at it a little more, but I think too, like lean into your strengths. Like that's, what's going to make you great in terms of like knowing what I'm not, I didn't try to out muscle someone. Right. So like, because I lifted a lot to get to that bare minimum, I, I, it wasn't like all of a sudden, like now I'm strong. It was like, no, I was still leaning into my cardio and my technique and my speed. That's where I wanted to be. But having the strength at that baseline enabled me to compete against everyone. Um, but, and I think knowing your strength is important too, because then you kind of stay, it's like the guy that can wrestle in the open. Who's fast. Right. It's like, and then the slow guy has to get his hands on him and slow him down. I mean, that's the, that's the common, like, you know, dichotomy match of like, you know, this guy's got it. And how can this guy avoid him? So, but they have to, they have to get to their strengths to win. If the the fast guy gets all tangled up, he loses. If the strong guy doesn't get his hands on him, he loses. (laughs) It's like, it's like one of those interesting things.
1: Yep. Or you can be like Ryan and just have it all yeah that's stop. true i know
2: that's
0: not, <laughs> I, I, hey i could tell you firsthand this guy works at everything man. i know he, he, I'm, he's he puts, he puts in the time it all he puts it he in the has time.
2: all of it i'm i'm a slow learner but i i try to learn uh <laughs> there's kind of a lighter note here to finish off um and then yeah. anything else if you want but what about proposing to your wife at nationals <laughs> <Stop> i <laughs> think that's like <laughs> That's like, I mean, you said to me, you're like, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. It's like, I sat down at <laughs> the podium I'm oh gonna my God. and obviously yeah. everybody in that arena is going to like try to hype that up. And so like, yeah. I don't know, walk me through that. I think that's yeah. an awesome story. And uh, uh, the fact that you thought it was going to be small cracks me up.
0: Yeah. So, so basically my senior year, I was all in, I hadn't placed yet. I was like, I'm going a place. And then my wife was a big part. We met in high school actually, and we were on and off and then you know, by my sophomore year of college, we were pretty serious. And I, we kind of both knew we were going to get married. Uh, so yeah. So I get a ring, I buy a ring on a, with my credit card because I, I had no money. I buy a ring with a credit card and I'm getting close to the summer. I work construction in the summer. I knew I'd get the money to pay it off then. So that was plan a, it's just, I'm just going to put it on a, So but I get the, I get the ring and, and I'm trying to keep it super low key. So I'm like, Okay. So I just want this to between, well, not between me and her, but I mean, I'm obviously doing this. So I'm, you know, if I place, I'm going to get off the podium and I have to get her a credential to be a photographer. So, so that's the plan in my head. I'm like, you know, all American thing, no one knows about it except I do. And whoever gets her the media credential. And so, you know, I'm just going to get off. I'm going to get on one knee. Everyone's going to scatter and and I'm going to propose to her. Shouldn't, I don't think it's going to draw attention because of the thing's going on. Well, meanwhile, uh, so my mom knows about it and, 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 and I have to ask this lady who works for Lehigh to get me this pass. So two people know about it. And my mom, I think I'm pretty sure she's the one. So she's in the crowd with the Lehigh people. And all of a sudden it turns out like. A lot of people know, and I know that a lot of people know I've already placed. So it's like going into the finals. So now it's like this big ordeal, like where it's like, you know, the lady got me flowers to give to her. So now I have flowers. I'm, I'm trying to hide flowers. I have this ring in my pocket. So I don't know this though. So like I'm, I'm upset that a lot of people know I really don't want anyone to know. So I'm on the podium you know, they go through the all Americans do the spin thing and she's got the camera. She has no clue though. So that all ends. And I step off and the announcer might've been Sandy Stevens. I don't know who it was. is like, we have a special moment going on (laughs) near the podium. And I'm like, wait, what the hell is going on right now? And so I'm like walking over to my future wife and and I'm going to propose to her. And I'm like, what is going on? And they're like, Chris Ayers is asking, so, you know, Lori to marry him. And so basically I get to my knee and I like get the rig out and I'm like, Hey, will you marry me? And my wife, Lori is like, God. So like, you know, there's <laughs> 50,000 people waiting there, you know what I mean? And I'm like sitting on my knee and she doesn't say anything. So I'm like, I am like, Oh my God. I'm like, I'll take that as a yes. So I just get up, and I'm like, I, I, you know, I pretty much direct her to the back and everyone's cheering and stuff. And we get into the back and I'm like, Hey, I'm like, well, like, what's the answer? And she's like, did you ask my parents? I was like, (laughs) I was like, yeah, I asked your parents. And she's like, okay, yes, yes, yes. But it was like, it was like the place like erupted, like when I went down and I was like, I, I did, I did not expect that. But it turned out like in the end, it was kind of cool in retrospect yeah. but like that is definitely not what I wanted to happen but yeah so I proposed to my wife right off the podium so pretty cool
2: that's amazing yeah. that's an awesome story I I love that and knowing Laurie that that's so funny that's that's yeah. awesome yeah. um yeah any, anything else from either you guys Max or, or Chris that you guys yeah we didn't touch on that you guys want to talk about
0: but yeah, you bring up Lori. So I just think it's pretty neat for her. Like just speaking to, I always give, give a little shout out to women's wrestling, but like, it's funny she, with me, you know, she would have wrestled, honestly, she loves wrestling so much, but back then, it, you know, there it, it just wasn't an open door and now she's the director of the RTC and, and doing an awesome job. So I just, I just think it's really neat to, to pull in, to, to allow women to take, Take up those spaces that you know she's loving what she's doing, and you know Ryan, she's she's doing a great job, and and I just she's think awesome. that yeah. the women, the women's stuff, uh, women wrestling in college, women. I know Lehigh has got their club is up and going pretty quickly, yep. uh, growing. I think it's the yes. answer. Like everyone's out, how do we save wrestling? How, it's the women. You add one woman, you add her parents, you add her grandparents. It's it's exponential growth of wrestling. And so um, so I'd, I'd throw that plug in there, too, just for, you know, the women's wrestling stuff has been awesome. And uh, we need to be more, uh, we we need to think about it a little bit more and be more active in promoting it.
2: Absolutely. And Lori, Lori's definitely the one, like, that's going to get that <laughs> done. Like, Lori yeah. is a rock star. She's going to figure this out, and we're all behind her. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Love that. She, was,
1: pro- she was proposed cool. to at the national
2: wrestling championships. I mean, she's the right one. <laughs> she doesn't have a choice, right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Yeah. We really appreciate you coming on. It was great yeah. talking to you. And uh, yeah, this was this was awesome. I love getting yeah. to know you better, even though. Yeah. You know, same. I spent A lot of time with you too. So. That's thank awesome.
0: You. Thank you guys for having me. It's great seeing you guys. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Right.
2: Yeah. Awesome. We'll see you, see see it. See you soon.